of the Eagles Water Cooler. I'm joined tonight by Andrew and Mike, and we will be previewing the Eagles Sunday night football matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it's a rivalry game. It's got uh, sort of a different slant to it this year uh, with all that's gone on. Um, but let's get right to it uh, after checking in. How are we doing tonight, fellas? It's Dallas week, baby. That's week of the year. Yeah, and, and really kind of a different outlook than we thought it would be. You know, at the beginning of the season, these games were looked at as being really pivotal in, in the year, and this is, but sort of under different circumstances than we thought it would be. So the Eagles hosting Dallas on Sunday night. We are going to begin tonight's uh, preview by looking at the Cowboys offense. So the Cowboys have had uh, multiple injuries at the quarterback position this year. First, Dak Prescott in maybe the – fourth or fifth week. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but um, he had uh, fractured his ankle. It looked like pretty gruesome injury. And then Andy Dalton came in um, and last week was um, the victim of a pretty rough hit uh, from Bostic of the Washington football team and sustained um, a head injury and, and is in concussion protocol. He is listed for this game is doubtful, but we are kind of assuming moving ahead with the podcast that we'll be seeing uh, Ben DiNucci. So DiNucci is a 2020 seventh round pick uh, out of JMU uh, transfer out of Pitt prior to that. Um, he's the third string player coming in here. Apparently uh, does have some mobility and uh, ran a lot at JMU in his last year there. And that's what caught a lot of the scouts eyes and encouraged the Cowboys to pick him up in the seventh round. So I will kind of throw this at you guys, and this is a little off script, but what's your feel on this game right now, in short, if you can, about sort of the likelihood of a player like this coming in and having one of those games versus the Eagles completely shutting this guy down? Like, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about this game, to be honest. The Cowboys, not only did they lose Dak, um, not only when Dak was in the offense – do they look like they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL? Um, then Dak goes down, season-ending injury. Andy Dalton comes in, can't really move their offense at all. So, like, what does that even show you? Now Ben DiNucci is at the um, head of the offense. And to be honest, I don't even know this guy. Um, I'm not sure what he can do. Uh, maybe we can get him to a little bit of his stats, but uh, Andrew, you want to flip to you? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the feel is um, let's go 90-10, right? 90% confident we should smoke this team. This should be uh, a walk in the park. Kind of thought last week was going to go that way, but, you know, you know, the Eagles are surprising this year and in, in the ways that they can fool you and, and uh, let you down a bit. But um yeah this Danucci guy a little bit unknown that 10 percent um that worries me is kind of it, it takes me back to uh the Vikings game um about 10 years ago Joe Webb was the quarterback that should have been a, that should have been a, a a walk in the park and you know they ran all over us so there's a little especially in such a weird year and such a down year um I don't think there's ever going to be a game where we're a hundred percent confident, but um, you know, while there is that little uh, worry uh, on my shoulder, I, I I'm not too concerned. I think this should be um, a pretty good and big victory for the birds. And also we're talking about a guy who for his NFL career has three passing attempts, two completions for um, 39 yards with an average of 13 yards per throw. Um, not much body of work, so we'll see. Yeah, and, and that's maybe what frightens us most, and I, and I don't know if that's what Andrew's kind of tapping into, that he is yeah. an unknown, uh, not only in terms of his name, but uh, also the fact that there's not a whole lot of tape on him. Um, 
my feel, I like Andrew's uh, kind of pie chart example there with the 90-10. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of meet you there. I think 9 or 10 sounds good. But the 10, there is something about that and um, the fact that the Cowboys are trending down so much. But something that sort of carries me back to the 90 is the fact that the Cowboys O-line has been also decimated by injuries. Uh, they lost both their tackles, uh, Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith, to season-ending injuries. Um, their longtime center, Travis Frederick, uh, retired, so they're playing a sort of a backup center. Um, and one of their uh, guards, Zach Martin, their right guard, who's made the Pro Bowl many times, um, is supposedly going to be returning for this game. I believe he's coming back from a concussion. Um, but otherwise, their O-line is young, uh, unknown players. And, you know, I think them playing in front of Danucci coming in uh, and the weapons, hopefully, that we see uh, come out in force from the Eagles defensive line, I I'm hoping to really kind of overwhelm uh, the Cowboys offense early. But to me, the O-line will be a factor in this game in that if the Eagles defensive line can, can get after them, this game will maybe get a little out of hand. We'll see. Uh, another factor always is Zeke who has games where um, he, you know, seems to uh, just destroy the Eagles running the ball uh, and catching it even, but he recently has shown some in what, you know, looks like to me wear and tear from having been sort of the player that they were running their offense through for a long time. Uh, he's six fumbles this year, four of them lost. He's dropped passes, um, just look shaky in general. So um, I, I think that a lot of what threatens us about the Cowboys uh, in that their quarterback can typically make plays and we're looking at a seventh round rookie coming in. Um, their offensive line is normally a veteran offensive line, if nothing else, and they're mostly young players, uh, all but for Zach Martin. And Zeke just hasn't been himself. Uh, but what worries me most about this game uh, is the – wide receiving core for the Cowboys uh, and CD lamb. Who's a player that we all discussed uh, was really sort of a heartbreak to see him go to Dallas because I think a lot of Eagles fans assumed he would come here uh, and wound up at their archery, our tribal, excuse me. Um, but we'll see what, um, what he winds up doing in this game on Sunday night, what kind of impact he can make. Amari Cooper has sort of done the damage he's done against the Eagles already since having been traded there from uh, the Raiders and Michael Gallup, any of these guys, I think would be a number one receiver uh, for most teams in the NFL. Um, but that's to me where they pose a real threat. Uh, so we'll talk about how the Eagles will defend them in just a little bit. Um, Dallas also likes to uh, target whoever their quarterback is, likes to target Dalton Schultz, who's a, a tight end out of Stanford, um, who is right behind the receivers in terms of, you know, passing stats and targets. Um, I have to kind of turn this around to, to talk a little bit about how the D line is going to be able to sort of create havoc. So we are expecting, uh, and we were running down all the injured players that are seeming to reemerge at this point in the year, which really is kind of opportune, especially with a buy coming up. Uh, but that Malik Jackson will be back in the lineup. Um, Javon Hargrave, I think is a player that still needs to sort of emerge and step into a role. Um, and I, I think, you know, if you're going to do it against Dallas is a great way to make Eagles fans sort of remember him and, and uh, you know, see the worth in the, in the money that they put down to get him because he was a big splash in the off season that we haven't really seen what we expected uh, from him yet. So the other player I want to point to is Fletcher uh, who, you know, I will always draw double teams, especially from a poor backup offensive line. Um, but we have to see the other pass rushers kind of be able to, get after this offensive line and, and make a young quarterback uh, hesitate and sort of panic. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the defensive ends and start with a kind of a discussion, a discussion question, which I'll open up here. Um, how do you feel at this point about Derek Barnett, who in 2017 was a 14th overall pick uh, and have your expectations been met, Andrew? Yeah, Barnett was a, a Focus of ours, I think, uh, before the season started. I know we we spent some time talking about him. We thought this was going to be a big year for him. Um, the stats certainly aren't there. I think for the first two games, you know, he had a sack, sack and a half maybe. Um, but he has, you know, a handful of tackles. I do think if you're, you know, watching the game, the eye test, he's passing it a bit more than maybe his stats are showing. Um, there have been some times where he's 
stayed home instead of getting caught on a, you know, a motion or a sweep, um, which was kind of his, his norm there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's a good player for sure. And I think we need him, especially with, um, some of the injuries on the line, you know, not necessarily on the ends, but, uh, Ridgeway's down, um, Hassan Ridgeway's on the IR. I mean, and then, um, Jannard Avery, I think he's either out or did they put him on the IR as well? He and Nate geriatric were both placed uh, on the IR uh, today this afternoon, I believe. Yeah. And then Vinnie Curry has been banged up. So like, you know, what was looking like a, um, you know, a very, uh, complete defensive line, uh, those injuries are, are really starting to stack up. So you need Derek Barnett in there. You need him healthy. And look, I, I don't believe that he is playing to the first round 14th overall pick. Um, I'd have to go back to that draft and see what, you know, the, the other players around uh, around that pick are, how they're performing. He is a good player for sure. We need him. Um, I'd like him to stick around, but yeah, if you're if you're going just on, has he lived up to expectations? Probably not. Probably not, especially when BG on the opposite side is dominating once again. Um, yeah. So if <laughs> the answer is no, he's not living up to expectations, but he is a uh, impactful and, and necessary player on that line. Mike, how are you feeling about our boy Derek? Yeah, no, I agree. He can be an impactful player. Um, Unfortunately, he gets injured quite a bit. And some of the time, the thing that's very frustrating about Derek is that he doesn't seem to be able to hold his lane and hold people um, in the position that, you know, he, he cuts in a little too much, allows quarterbacks to go outside, running backs to get outside of him, uh, which is frustrating. But uh, just a little rundown, Chris, you know, I, I think you were talking about the Cowboys there. In terms of run blocking, uh, Football Outsiders has Dallas as the 10th ranked team in terms of offensive line run blocking. Um, for pass blocking, they have they have them ranked as number 18. Um, and I think pass blocking is really where Barnett can shine. Uh, he might be able to get in there and he can be a game changer. It's just, will he show up? I think is the question. Andrew? Yeah, just to counter that, I think a lot of those um, those stats and, you know, they seem uh, pretty promising, but those were when Dak was playing, they were kind of rolling along. Um, the last two games, they've been outscored 63 to 13. So, you know, they're allowing a lot of points. They're not putting up a lot of points. So, you know, they're in an interesting... Maybe a more predictable team altogether, just because Dak is not there, you know they're going to run the ball. Yeah, um, but we, you know, we're good against the run. We've been good all year. Um, right. But in terms of Barnett, you know, that, that there's something to be desired in his run defense. And also the fact Mike brought up, he, he has had injuries to me. He, yeah. he really has not been worth uh, that 14th overall pick. Uh, he is a player that really flashes when you watch, he looks like one of the most aggressive players when he's pass rushing. Um, but those other mistakes where he kind of bites, as we've talked about on other podcasts, Andrew, I know you've mentioned that before. It's just such a frustrating thing to see. So um, I have to, you know, I have to agree with you guys. And I do like Derek Barnett and I think he still has potential and let's hope he sticks with the team a long time. And who knows, maybe he blossoms into doing what uh, BG is doing and we'll get to him in just a second, but, you know, later on in his career, really coming on strong, um, but Josh Sweat, just by comparison, was a fourth-round pick the following year in 2018. Uh, so far this year, he has three sacks uh, to the total of 33 sack yards. Barnett only has three and a half sacks, so a half sack more in 23 uh, sack yards. And I always think that's an interesting stat because when you see those devastating sacks that really set the field position into a completely different place, um, those are momentum swings in the game. Uh, Sweat also has seven tackles for loss, whereas Derek Barnett only has four and a half. So we could look at it sort of extrapolated and talk about it, but they're both kind of bringing something different to the table. It's just one of those Howie questions, which we may explore over the course of the bye week. But let's talk a little bit about BG, who I think uh, Brandon Graham is, is having a career year. He is on course right now. Uh, if he continues at this pace uh, to have 14 sacks, uh, his career best is nine and a half. He's never eclipsed the double digit mark. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on BG in general, but as it pertains to this year? 
Yeah, I mean, not much to say other than he's, uh, I think, exceeded expectations. There was the, you know, a, a, a large chance that he was going to walk and not even be on this team. Um, you know, I remember him hugging uh, uh, Derek Gunn at the end of last season, and, you know, they kind of felt like it was this goodbye. But, yeah, I mean, like a fine wine, he keeps getting better um, year after year. So, you know, it's it's nice to have him as a staple back there and, you know, with so many injuries and, um, you know, I think losing Malcolm Jenkins as a leader, you know, w- was an issue. But, yeah, he's tried and true and, you know, playing just as good as he as he has been. Yeah, no, Andrew, I, I agree. Um, and also to add in that, he has a forced fumble, which was the um, deciding factor in the game against the Giants. Huge play. Super Bowl-esque. Yeah, I mean, he has continued to produce for the Eagles' defensive line, and um, he's probably been the most consistent in terms of production. Um, the most, uh, if you were to look back and say reward a person for the amount of plays that he's made, he's been that guy for the Eagles' defensive line. Obviously, Fletcher Cox is looked at as the most um, talented player uh, player that should disrupt the offensive line the most but it really has been Brandon Graham that's been that guy and his stats this season on pace for 14 sacks see what he gets uh forced fumble already to win the game uh you know he's he's one of the hearts of our defense absolutely agree he's he's part of the spirit of I think this team uh and sort of had to fight back in his own career in a lot of ways I know uh when we originally got Brandon Graham there were a lot of issues and the scheme was different he had an injury and it was a long time before we really saw him come on and obviously make that epic play in the Super Bowl Uh, but Mike mentioned his consistency and I think that's directly linked to how clutch he is he's consistent no matter what in big situations and uh, is constantly giving effort but I loved Andrew's point I mean Malcolm Jenkins absolutely left a void. And I think part of what the Eagles had to sort of, let's hope they're getting over it now uh, at the beginning of the year was from sort of a lack of leadership and needing to find that identity that we've mentioned on this podcast. But I do think that Brandon Graham brings some of that leadership to the team and kind of has that element, Andrew. Yeah, I think it's just, this is an interesting conversation because I think this is what we want to be having with, with Barnett, right? You know, uh, BG was picked 13th or 14th as well seems like why did we pick him is he going to live up to expectations a little bit of a slow start but then you know that looks like a great pick by by Howie whereas this Barnett you know we really haven't seen the uh you know that next step so and Andrew I would almost say Barnett just from a um physical attribute standpoint looks like the more promising player compared to BG, he's taller, he's longer. Um, he should be a better D end, but we're yeah, it's been several years now, and we're you know we want to see it out of him. Yeah, but what we see in BG is he has the dual nature to his game, where we see him as a really good run defender most of the time. He's had a few slip ups the last few weeks, but we do see him that way. But he's also known for for pass rushing and for stripping the ball. I mean, those are skills we have also seen from Barnett, but we mostly see his best skills on, on passing plays. So, you know, I need to see a little bit more from Barnett, but I think we are potentially seeing a career year from uh, Brandon Graham. And if we are, what an anomaly, I mean, what a crazy career he's had to this point. And, you know, how he does wind up looking good here, because in my opinion, he gave him a contract at one of those times where we said, Oh, he's playing favorites to an older player. And, and here it's, it's panned out. I mean, he's been that veteran uh, leadership presence and he's also produced on the field um, so we sort of have a luxury situation where he's sort of a fan favorite he provides leadership but also he's productive and Chris I'll just also jump in there and say <clears throat> when how we signed Brandon Graham I thought like okay like give the guy his due he's been such an important part of the Eagles organization <laughs> you know basically could could be credited with the Eagles win against the Patriots in the Super Bowl for for the forced fumble against Tom Brady. We didn't give that to Malcolm Jenkins and, you know, Andrew touched on this before, and we also didn't give that to Brian Dawkins in the past. And maybe the Eagles and and Howie Roseman should, um, in fact, be rewarding those players who he deems towards the end of their career. I was a little surprised that Howie actually signed 
Brandon Graham to a four-year big, big uh, money contract. I was a little surprised when that happened because I was like, this goes against what Howie typically does. You, you, you saw it not happen with Brian Dawkins. You saw it not happen with Malcolm Jenkins. Um, but both of those players went on to produce for the teams that they went to after. And it kind of raises the question, maybe he got it right with BG, but you know, he did get it wrong with the other players, Chris. I thought that was an interesting move for the same reason, Mike. I mean, the only other factor that comes to mind is Joe Banner and his presence with the team during that time and whether or not, you know, he played a role in the, in the move with Dawkins. But I kind of saw the Malcolm Jenkins move as, as similar to uh, what happened with Dawkins in terms of the age and also obviously the position. Um, but I think we can all agree that Brandon Graham, at least in part, has, has stood in in that leadership position. If you haven't seen the Eagles put up a um, – I think they call it audible, but it's, it's a mic'd up player. And it was Rodney McLeod this last game. And I have to say, I mean, he's a good player and I think he's uh, he provides a certain kind of presence on the field as a player, but his leadership is, is sort of a big, a big theme. I mean, he's it's him hyping him up in the middle of the circle at the beginning of the game and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's good that they have those presences and, and hopefully we are seeing a 14 sack year from BG, maybe more, who knows? Um, and let's hope some of them come in this game. I know Mike picked them last week for his defensive player of the game. So uh, might have to repeat, man. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the defensive backfield for the Eagles and how they're going to handle this wide receiving core, which I think is probably the, the most fearsome that the Eagles have faced. Um, it was said when Darius Slay was brought in that he was brought in to specifically uh, combat with what damage Amari Cooper had done to the Eagles defense previously. Um, do you see him just traveling with Cooper all game? Um, or do you see any likelihood that he might follow either of these other guys, CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup? I think you had to put Slay on Cooper. Um, unless things, you know, unless Maddox um, uh, has a really tough time with Gallup and, and starts getting burned, maybe you do the switch. But you have to put um, Slay on Cooper to, to start. Absolutely. Yeah, I like, agree. Um, I mean, that's why you – that's why we acquired Darius Slay, was to cover players like Amari Cooper. So, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, the only thing I would counter to that, and I think um, unless something kind of unexpected happens, the only thing I'd say is that last year when the Eagles played the Cowboys, Amari Cooper actually got benched because he was so sort of disinterested in playing. And obviously it was different coaching staff, different situation, but he is a player that pouts. I've seen it before. Um, I even saw it when he was in Oakland and he had drops. So um, I think there's, there's a chance that, you know, maybe CD lamb makes us wish we had him even more in this game. And, and if that's the case and he starts to get hot, I think, I think maybe we need to look at the possibility of, of slay moving with a couple players, depending on who's posing the most threat. And you both have kind of touched on that. So we're assuming Cooper at least to start, but we'll kind of roll with the game plan, knowing that they have some weapons. Like I said, Michael Gallup, CD lamb or, uh, Mark Cooper would be the number one receiver on many teams in the NFL. So uh, last thing we'll touch on with the Eagles defense before getting to uh, our defensive players of the game. Um, can the linebacker? Yeah, Mike. Yeah. The other thing I was just going to throw in there, Ben DiNucci. Um, I know we touched on him earlier. Uh, Duke dog went to JMU. Yeah, All time school history for JMU. He's tied for third in completions um pass yards he's at fourth passing touchdowns at fourth with 45 passing touchdowns um the guy knows how to pass the ball I, you know the one thing i was looking at when i wanted to see these stats was does he you know can he complete um can he pass to the receivers like amari cooper cd lamb and whatnot and you know his college stats say he can so we'll see like he was a yeah. seventh seventh round pick um Played from played at JMU. I I don't think we should be too fearful of him. Now well, I, I, would, I know. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. I was just going to say they're probably going to boil down this off water down this offense, um, so that he can you know execute very basic uh, plays. But no, I mean I, I, he's not a factor. I think the skill level, as Chris is saying about the the three wide receivers, that's that's the scary part against our corners. Oh. No, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, uh, you know, if he's seen tape, 
Uh, he'll look to do two things. One, like I said earlier in the podcast, part of what his appeal was, even as a seventh round pick, um, was that he could scramble a little bit and uh, that he could even use his legs. So, and just to counter um, that, I will say Tom Brady was a 199th pick overall, six in the sixth round. So it's not like just, that's unheard of. Jesus. Are you are you relating Ben DiNucci to, to Tom Brady? Ben well, DiNucci. of course, there's no correlation at this point. I'm just saying, in terms of draft pick, it you know. Yeah, and, and Antonio Gates was was an undrafted player, and he's you know. Arguably yeah, the best I mean, I, you're talking about a lottery pick, right? I mean, that's yeah. what we're really talking about here. So uh, the other thing that he probably, know, Ben DiNucci probably noticed on tape is that the Eagles uh, have a poor linebacking core and um, that throwing to tight ends has been a, a weak spot of the Eagles all year long. So my question to you uh, is, can the linebackers have a good game? Nate Geriatric, as we mentioned earlier, has now been put on injured reserve uh do you think that they'll be able to make plays in the middle of the field? This guy, Dalton Schultz, uh, when I watched them play, um, I guess it was Washington. And then maybe a couple of weeks ago, they were on uh, at the earlier time. And we, you know, flipping back and forth, you could see that, that all the sort of offensive focus is on Zeke and on these sort of short passes and that the tight ends are the recipients of them a lot of time. And that they're hoping the athleticism of the receivers can sort of beat uh, the defense deep. But do you think the linebackers can kind of show out in this game? I mean, it is the first game without me, geriatric. Other players obviously are going to get a chance. TJ Edwards, we should mention, is going to be coming back off of injury. Uh, Sean Bradley has slowly gotten more time. We still haven't seen much of Davion Taylor on defense. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Can the linebackers be a factor in this game? Tough one. Uh I'm not sure. I mean, to date, the Eagles linebackers have shown that they can't do anything. I did think we were seeing some really good play out of Singleton last Thank game. And um, I forgot Singleton, and I appreciate you mentioning him. No, absolutely. Uh, that guy can lay some hits, and, you know, maybe maybe Nate, Gary, geriatric, gerrymandering, um, maybe with him not being in there, he can't uh, – you know, that will open up the door for Jim Schwartz. Maybe that opens up the door for somebody else to step up. I don't know why Jim Schwartz puts so much stock into the guy to begin with, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I think we've been questioning the the Nate decision all all season long. I guess he he is the most senior, the most veteran, but obviously we've seen um, uh, his level of play is just not there. Um, can the can our linebackers hang with with the uh, Dallas offense? Um, yeah, sure, why not? Um, I think it, like we just talked about, I think it's dependent on the defensive line getting home, really making it uh, difficult for Zanucci back there. Um, I, I think the, our linebacking core is what it is. Uh, they're going to give up some plays. Um, it'll be nice to see Singleton get some more snaps. Um, Davion Taylor gets some new, some more snaps and Sean Bradley, uh, you know, starts to kind of see these guys in action a little bit more. Um, that's what I'm hoping to take away from this. Do you I think, think Davion will play, Andrew? Yeah, I think he should get some snaps, right? I, would, I, know, I was I just mean, the speed factor should be a big thing in the defensive game plan. So, and he that was a big selling point of, of his because remember, this is a guy who doesn't come with a lot of football experience. He only played a couple games in high school because, or one game because of his religious background or something like that so mm. he went to colorado and had a lot of college experience but his speed was well chris drama. it wasn't just his uh religious background his mom didn't want him to play on sundays because she wanted him to go to church um i guess it is the same i just don't <laughs> okay I don't it seems ambiguous right. with religious background okay well i guess for his religious beliefs that he had to is that a better way to say it well, let's just say his mom's beliefs. Okay. Well, yeah, obviously he decided to change that because he'll be playing on Sundays now. But, um, but yeah, anyway, aside from Davion Taylor's uh, worshiping habits, um, <laughs> I, think, I think Singleton is a big focal point. And to me, he's been stacking up good plays game after game. I think we may see him have a big play in this game. And I think Danucci's going to look to dump the ball off quick in the middle of the field and linebackers – will be in a position to make plays. I guess I'll say that. That's what drove me to ask you guys the question. So let's hope they do. But to me, as far as the, the defense as a whole and facing this offense, uh, they really need to try to just completely overwhelm um, 
Ben DiNucci and make him uncomfortable and really try to rattle this uh, offensive line who will have only one really experienced player, as we mentioned in Zach Martin earlier. So really shaky kind of O-line situation for them. Um, really try to limit what they what damage Z can do. And we've seen him uh, beat up on the Eagles um, and see if he can get the ball from him. I mean, obviously he's been fumbling this year and, and has had some issues. So um, who are your defensive players of the game? Let's start with Mike. Well, I got to I got to come back to BG. BG uh, made the play of the game last week. I think he continues to roll. Um, I think he has a big day against the Dallas Cowboys. I think he has two sacks. Wow, I like that. I like that. I hope it happens, man. Andrew, back to the well with BG, and never a bad thing. Um, I'm going a little bit outside. Uh, and I'm actually going to go with Alex Singleton. We just talked about him a little bit. We talked about the linebackers. I, like I think I think there's an opportunity for him to um, kind of solidify and take over this this you know starting linebacker position. And I think we've seen elements of him flying around and making some big hits and and some smart plays. So um, is he the future? I have no idea. But I think he has a, a really good opportunity and a, and a really good opportunity um, against the Cowboys this week. So I'm, I'm looking for him to um, be impactful. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to have to go with my guy, Malik Jackson. If he's back, I think based on the impact he had before, I think he's going to cause a lot of disruption, especially for a young rookie seventh rounder uh, playing quarterback on, on the opposing side. I think he's going to be able to wreak some havoc. So um, let's see. Let's see who comes out. And I'll, I'll make a note of, of who we all mentioned there uh, so that we have that down. But um, let's go on to talk about the Eagles offense against the Cowboys defense. And let's begin with Carson Wentz. Uh, who I think we can all agree needs to show us a complete performance uh, in, in, you know, uh, at this point in the year, we've yet to see that from him. And I think if nothing else, that that'd be a great thing to leave this game with uh, going into the bye week. Um, you know, I think playing down is something that is probably part of that 10% that Andrew mentioned earlier, playing down to competition. Um, I'm really tired of watching the Eagles catch up. Uh, and play from behind. It's, it's not fun as a fan. Uh, and it's just kind of frustrating. Uh, I think Carson as a player needs to use his legs where necessary. Uh, I wrote a note here. Originally it said eliminate hero tendencies. And then I changed the word to limit because I think he just needs to make those plays selectively because when he's able to, they're great. But when he's trying to do it all the time, uh, it's just, it, it can't possibly work over the stretch of the game. So in, in order to play a complete game, he's got to be mindful of that make the plays you have to make, use your weapons. And we're going to talk about some of those coming up, but do you guys think that this could be a game where Carson comes out without any turnovers, which is something he's yet to do this year, Andrew? I mean, probably not. The guy either fumbles or throws a pick pretty much every game, which it is what it is. We've kind of learned to, uh, to deal with that. So I don't, there's no, um, there's no reason why I don't think that he'll turn the ball over, uh, even though it's, it's not, a strong defense by any means. Um, I don't, and again, Carson has looked better and better, um, but, you know, he's still making those uh, panicky plays, those, as you said, hero ball plays. And I don't think that goes away just because you're playing uh, an inferior team. So um, no, I think, he, I, I think he probably turns the ball over, um, but maybe it's once instead of three times. <laughs> right, let's hope. Yeah, no, I think Carson doesn't turn the ball over this game. I think he does take a step forward. Uh, I, I feel like the past two games, we've seen some good things out of him in, in the uh, latter part of the game in the fourth quarter. And Carson really, um, I, I said this earlier in the week in our review of uh, the Giants game, he looks too frantic during the second and third quarter of the game. He's trying to press too much and he needs to settle down and just like let the game come to him. Let it work Wait. for him. Yeah. And um, I think Carson takes a step forward in this game, especially because the Cowboys defense is terrible. Um, well, and I think to that end, we could probably all agree that if he, if he can come out of this game without a turnover, it's very likely the Eagles have won it. Um, but sure. And I don't mean, sorry, to cut you off there, Mike, but I, I, you know, I just wanted to kind of 
touch on that because it's been such a consistent issue. And throughout the beginning of his career, Carson Wentz was, you know, a fumbler for sure, had fumbling issues, but not really as much of an interception guy. So let's hope for no turnovers of any kind in this game. And, and let's all assume that if that's the case, the Eagles come out with the W. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the offensive line. And this is a point of contention uh, right now uh, throughout Philadelphia. But there are reports uh, because Jason Peters will be back for this game. Uh, there are reports that he will be starting at left tackle. Nate Herbig will be starting at left guard. Jason Kelsey will be starting at center. Matt Pryor will be starting at right guard. And Lane Johnson, who will also be available for this game, uh, will be starting at right tackle. So if that's the case, it means that Mylotta is relegated to the bench and being kind of a backup player. Um, in your eyes, has Mylotta earned the right to start? Um, and would Jason Peters be a better fit at guard in this situation. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, Chris, let me read this this quote real quick from Doug. It's, a, it's just a, a small excerpt, but he says, I love where Jordan is and I love where his growth's at. But if Jason Peters starts at left tackle, it allows Jordan to see the big picture as well and step back and observe that way. Sometimes that helps young players too. Whatever the decision is at left tackle, really the whole offensive line, these guys are prepared, excited and ready to go. That doesn't, that's not a vote of confidence to me. And no, I'm not an endorsement. Andrew, was, and, that, uh, was that this week? Yeah, I think that was just the other day, right? Um, it was today, it, Andrew. It was today. Yeah. That's, exa that's exactly right. Um, look, it's great to have Jason Peters back, but you brought him in specifically to fill a, a role at guard. That changed when Dillard went down um, and Brooks went down, uh, and it was nice to have him available. But he wasn't lights out at left tackle before he got hurt um, and before my got his chance. And it's been a little bit slow at times for my but I believe that we're all under the opinion that he's earned the right to start and stay there. Um, so I don't understand what the, what the benefit is, what the value add is by putting Peters back uh, at left tackle, let my you know, go through these growing pains. He's been sitting and waiting and observing Doug for two years. He's a project. You drafted him to be a project. You drafted him because he is a six, eight, nine, ten monster. Um, and he's really starting to come into his own. And I think we've seen moments where he, he lets down, but that's that's part of the process. And, you know, I it, to me, it, it will be very frustrating to see Peters back there at left tackle. Um, I think you put him at right guard where he was supposed to be playing right next to Lane Johnson. Um, you know, and, and firm that side up a little bit. But, you know, me, I would be frustrated to see Peters back there. Michael? Yes, I totally agree with you. You need to start Mylotta at left tackle. I mean, what are we even going after in this season if not letting the guys on this team grow? Um, you know, I know I, we were hanging out a couple weekends ago and we were talking about, like, what's the point of the season? Like, the, I do think a major point of this season um, is to let these guys get experience. Jordan, um, Jason Peters is not going to be our starting left tackle going forward after this year. And if my is doing a good job, I think we all can agree he's doing a good job. He should be the guy that's getting those reps at that position in the game. Um, you know, that's just kind of how I feel. Chris. Yeah, I'm 100% with you guys. I think the phrase I used when we were discussing it before the podcast was stunting uh, his growth, that I think he's in a position now where he's also coming off of probably his worst game since he started. He came on really strong and I think took a little bit of a step back. And some things I read indicated that was because they played on Thursday night and it was a short week. And this is still a guy who's getting used to the game of football. So, you know, I think as we move forward here a little bit, uh, that's something to consider that what are the Eagles motives here? Because we're all seeing it as fans that my deserves it. And are the Eagles justifying the money they paid Jason Peters? Or are they just kind of giving him anything he wants? Uh, let's hope he holds up. Let's hope he plays well um, on Sunday night football, but uh, let's move on to talk about another returning uh, from injury player. And that's Jalen Rager. And I'll jump right into the discussion question. What are your expectations of Jalen Rager coming into this game? Uh, the, uh, first round pick of the Eagles this year, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it's great to to have him back. We we really have a limited um, uh, track record of of what he 
can do or what he could do. So uh, I think it's exciting for sure. I think it will help justify the pick. You know, anytime he can he can get out on the field and, and make some plays for us. Um, it uh, look people have stepped up. Fulgham, uh, Greg Ward, um, Richard Rogers. Like you know, we've had some guys on the offense step. These pass catchers step up, but let's start seeing the guys that are going to be the future. Um, and Rager obviously was drafted to be that dynamic playmaker. Um, we may have seen Deshaun's last game. Um, Alshon may is probably not going to come back. Who knows what's going on? It was a foot. Now it's a calf. Um, there just seems to be a dark cloud there. So yeah, you need, you need Rager um, to be an impactful player. I think, uh, I think we'll see it. You know, it was a, it was a thumb injury, correct? So I, you know, I don't yeah. think, so I don't think his wheels, you know, he should still be as fast as ever and be able to get down the field and, and probably have a couple good plays um, on Sunday. So I'm excited. I think my expectations are, you know, not high because he is coming back from injury. It's been a minute, but, you know, let's see what he's got. I think we, we've seen the flashes and I think we're all just, again, we're excited that he's back. Yeah, Andrew, I would agree. Um, coming off injury, how many plays do you actually expect him to take, like in terms of percentage? Um, are you going 25%, over 50%? Um, what do you think? I mean, I think he's, in my mind, Fulgham stays your one and he's your two. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with that. I think the other thing about it is that, as Andrew said, the real threat that Rager poses is his hands. And his, obviously his thumb is a big part of that, but he got his cast off early. He hasn't been experiencing any soreness. Um, and his, his big game is speed. And I think he'll probably have soreness after this game. But, um, but Chris, not, yeah. can't you also – all right. So my take is Doug has a real hard time – playing players coming off injury. Um, I think we've been frustrated with Doug letting players get their playing time in. He, he kind of puts them back in slowly. Maybe that's a trend that's happening across all sports. It's something we see with Joel Embiid in uh, the Sixers. But if you just, for, your, for a pure strategy standpoint, put Rager in on the outside of the field and have him shoot down, run as fast as he can, stretch that defense. And that doesn't compromise his thumb. Like, you don't even have to throw the ball to him. You just need him to run down the field. So I would like to see Doug do that. And I think they'll probably be mindful of, you know, how much they're um, integrating him back in. But part of me also thinks that they'll, if he's feeling all right, and knowing the talent that he has, and truthfully, as a fan, knowing that Doug really hasn't had a player like Rager since Doug's been here. I mean, he just hasn't uh, with that kind of skill set. Um, I would love to see like a, like a five for 50 and a touchdown. That would make me feel this guy is a first-round pick for sure. I've seen the talent already. The thing with Rager that I really love is that he's strong. He's really fast, but he's also really strong. And I think we might see one of those type of plays in this game. Would will he get enough playing time like Andrew said well and I think something that also comes into my mind now uh, as we're talking about it is the fact that they ran that sort of orbit motion play to Deshaun Jackson in the game against the Giants and I, th I could see Rager doing real damage on that play which would probably do little you know have little impact on his thumb um, and I think he'll still make some catches but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him used in that kind of way also um, let's touch on some other offensive weapons before we get to our offensive players of the game and then some predictions um but Travis Fulgham, I think he may be a recipient of a lot of yards uh, and possibly some touchdowns this Sunday because of Rager being on the field and taking some of the attention away. Um, I'm actually excited to see Fulgham sort of in the mix with all these other young receivers uh, and see how he blends in with everybody. And I, I think he'll still stand out mostly because of his uh, height and his size that way. So hopefully he's still a, a target of Wentz and, and is able to make some big plays in this game. I think Greg Ward is a guy that seems to get Carson's rhythm uh, sort of going. And if, if you watch Greg Ward run routes, he is so, so crisp and so precise with everything that he does and he gets exactly to his spot. And I think Carson has that same sort of meticulous outlook on the game and they seem to connect just regularly. I missed this on our Tuesday review podcast uh, in talking about John Hightower, who 
has had his drops this year, but absolutely caught a clutch 59 yarder uh, last Thursday night against the Giants and uh, seems to be able to get open consistently in games. And I'll say without a real discussion here uh, that if we can get one or two of those plays out of John Hightower game, he's worth the fifth round pick we spent. I mean, he clearly gets open and that's one of the hardest things as we've mentioned on this podcast to do. Andrew brought up Richard Rogers earlier. Um, he was the leading receiver in the game against the Giants. He seemed very uh, sort of connected with Wentz. They uh, especially connected on plays where Wentz was scrambling. One play where he rolled out uh, on that last drive and threw it, I think, almost 40 yards to, to Rogers on a rope. Um, they seemed to have a good connection. I think Wentz is a player that needs, uh, and the West Coast offense is a, is a system that needs a good tight end receiving option. So I, I still see him as a it's funny to say a dark horse because he was the leading receiver, but I still see him as a dark horse to make big plays in this game because his, um, his spot is as the number one tight end in the absence of Zach Ertz. Um, we don't know the status of Dallas Goddard going into this game. If he is able to play, this really opens things up for the Eagles offensive uh, game plan, but it's unknown. I think that's what we can best say as a podcast. Now it's trending in the right direction, but it's unknown, especially with the Eagles having a bye week to follow this Sunday night football game. So again, though, what, what, you know, how much stock can we take in Dallas Goddard being healthy to play? How much will he actually play? I think he's a threat to the defense for sure. Just like Rager is a threat to the defense, even if they are just in the game as another option. Yeah, I don't think Goddard was – they're not going to let Goddard come back unless he's 100%. I think that yeah. was kind of the caveat. So if if he's going to play at all in this game, he's going to play, you know, his normal minutes, I would think. It just seems counterproductive to everything we've seen from Deshaun Jackson, Jason Peters. Um, old, old. Gosh, how many other players have, have we seen this from? They've been injured. They try to come back. Yes, they're much older. Andrew, that's a good point. That is a good point. And Goddard is only, I think, 24, 25. So, I mean, Goddard, let's, let's kind of be real here. I watched that interview the other day on the Eagles website and Goddard said, yeah, not only did I have a small fracture in my ankle, but I also had a high ankle sprain. So he's coming back from multiple injuries. If there's any doubt, like Andrew said, if there's any likelihood that he won't be hundred percent and won't be the threat that uh, we know he can be, that he'll hold himself out, especially knowing, as we mentioned before, that the Eagles have a bye week coming up. So we'll hope that Goddard's in there, but we can trust touching back on Richard Rodgers. We can touch on, you know, that he's had success and Wentz needs that kind of option. The running backs, however, in the absence of Miles Sanders, who despite the Eagles getting many players back for this game, Miles Sanders probably will not return until after the bye. We're dealing with Boston Scott, um, Jason Huntley and Corey Clement. And I think the Eagles need to be able to run the ball in this game uh, just to sort of sustain possession and control things um, from the offensive game plan point of view. So to me, you know, I'm wondering if they're going to work in Jason Huntley a little more. I liked what I saw from him probably a little bit better than what I saw from Corey Clement. They're built different. Uh, but from what I saw, he seemed to just kind of get there where he needed to um, and get the yards that were necessary. I think he was like two carries for 13 yards, but I think they might look to see if, if he can do a little bit more in this game. But do you guys think that the ground game, I guess we'll say, uh, instead of the short passing or screen game, do you think just the run game, the plain old run game, will be a factor in this game? Or do you think it's going to be a lot of passing from Carson? What are you guys saying? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, ideally the run game will be a big factor because we'll be up by so much and we'll just want to control the ball. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking is you'll see a lot of garbage time uh, runs and maybe that's when you do get those those Huntley um uh carries if you will but i think early on they're going to try to get boston scott going you just kind of have to we saw you know um what he can do when he when he is is on his game um so i think to, to start you'll see a lot of run depending on how the you know that middle ground goes um mike's mentioned it before you know the the second and third quarters you see a, a more panicky carson so Maybe they'll rely on the run there a little bit more. Um, but yeah, my my ideal situation is that by, you know, towards the end of the third quarter, we have this game well in hand and we can just, you know, kind of run out the uh, the rest of the way. But maybe this teases my offensive player of the game, but I expect a, a, a big game from Boston. Okay. All right. Michael, what do you think about the run game? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think it's going to be a nice balanced attack on the offense between running and passing the ball. Um, 
you know, maybe we'll see 30, 35 run plays this game to 30, 35 pass plays this game. I really do think this is going to be a balanced attack. The Dallas Cowboys defense so far this year has been terrible. And there's no reason why the Eagles shouldn't be able to capitalize on that, even with Miles Sanders out of the game. Um, I do think Boston Scott will be the person in the run game that the Eagles go to. And yeah, I, I, I think they're very successful in running the ball. Okay. I mean, I think it's, it's possible. Um, I think they're going to have to get something going in terms of specifically, as I mentioned before, the ground game, not as much as short passing to the running backs game, uh, but running the ball on the ground just to be able to sort of sustain possession, establish a rhythm and kind of, uh, set things up the way they want to in this game at home on prime time. So um, I think it's, it's possible that uh, it could be, I mean, let's hope we see something. I mean, Corey Clement, let's take one second to just talk about his occupation of a roster spot when we've seen almost no production. I mean, obviously he's a Super Bowl hero for everything he did in 2017 and I'm not discounting that, but you know, he's occupying a spot and we're not getting into a conversation here about the potential of the Eagles making any moves, but it, it, it begs the question. So, you know, they need to see some production on the ground. And we can all agree that if that's the fact, just like Carson not turning the ball over, then we'll be in a good spot with a W, hopefully. Um, as far as the Eagle, I'm sorry, the Cowboys defense, um, Demarcus Lawrence, Tank Lawrence has done his damage in the past uh, against the Eagles. But again, seems like sort of disinterested. I've seen the, the Cowboys defense a few times just look completely disinterested and uh, unmotivated to play. And that may be the case going into this game with a, a third string quarterback and all the injuries and the cuts that they've made, letting go of Everson Griffin and Dontari Poe and all these different players over the last week. Um, and in the backfield, they did draft uh, Trayvon Diggs, who's a player I thought the Eagles might look at. And I'm assuming he'll follow Rager or uh, maybe Fulgham throughout the game, but not really a lot to worry about um, in terms of the defense. But who are you looking at as an offensive player this game, Andrew? Yeah, so um, earlier in the week, uh, I, th I, I think I was leaning towards Richard Rodgers being that dynamic offensive player of the game because of the you know potential impact that Goddard might have. Um, I'm going to switch and, and go with my guy, Boston Scott, who I just mentioned. The, the Cowboys give up 178 rushing yards a game. They're the worst. They are terrible. So um yeah I'm I'm going with Boston Mike I think you had him last week so you gotta you gotta give him up this week and I'm gonna take him I think that's just cruel but um I'll accept it uh, you, can't, you can't go BG and Boston two weeks in a row you just can't hey I mean if it works it works <laughs> and I do hope it works again uh this week I will go with uh Fulgham I'll go with Travis Fulgham. He's going to be the uh, offensive player of the game. I think Carson does stretch the field this game, and you'll see uh, high percentage uh, receptions and down the field plays to Fulgham. Chris? I like that. And I, th I mentioned earlier, I think Fulgham's going to be in a unique position now where he's not, you know, he was making plays when he was the only legitimate threat on the field now there's going to be multiple and, and you have to hope that that's going to open up some more opportunities for him uh i'm going to go with jalen rager i think jalen rager is coming into this game off of injury he's a player who's uh healed quickly twice now from injuries after not being injured very much welcome to philadelphia um but I, i'm really hoping that he's a big part of this game plan i wouldn't be surprised if jalen rager is aware of, of CD Lamb and about all that kind of stuff going on. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Rager does a little bit of punt returning as he did uh, earlier in the year and, and makes a spark play that way. Um, but I think we're going to see something from him in this game. Uh, like I said, I could see like a five for 50 with a touchdown in this game. And if that's the case, I think, I think we sort of have our answer. And that still allows him to sort of be eased back in. Sorry, Andrew, go ahead. No, you're good. I, I love that storyline, that that C.D. Lamb, uh, Jalen Rager storyline. You know, I think we probably all as fans wanted that to be a little bit dynamic. I'm sure both franchises thought they'd be in, you know, more favorable positions record wise and and things like that. But it is it is still always going to be there. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, an, an interesting storyline. And, and maybe that is a little bit of a motivator for for Rager. Let's hope. Yeah, Andrew, I was going to say, if you had to pick an Eagles receiver 
to be the standout star of the game, who would you pick? Um, I, Chris, I think, Chris I think, did, just as a recap, Chris took Rager. I did take Fulgham. Um, who would you pick? Yeah, I mean, I think you you have to go with Fulgham. Um, he's been the number one guy. He's He's been a top 10 wide receiver the last several weeks. So um, while I, you know, hope Rager's there for some dynamic plays and gets that, you know, that touchdown, I think Fulgham uh, is probably, at this point, your most, you know, Carson's most reliable target. He seems comfortable with him. So, yeah. Yeah, let's hope he gets his. And the other thing is that Fulgham has that size. You know, that's what separates him, uh, the vertical size. Obviously, Rager's a built player, but doesn't have the height uh, that Fulgham has. But I'll mention also that the, the likelihood of John Hightower and Rager being on the field at the same time, I could see the, a lot of the attention going to Rager, going to Hightower going to, excuse me, Fulgham, and then Hightower breaking wide open down the field as he's done consistently. Let's just hope he catches it when it gets there. Oh, yeah. um, so let's let's use this. To, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, no, Chris, I um, I was just going to wrap up with a quote from John Harbaugh. If, we're, yes, if we are let's wrapping get to up. This. Let's um, get to this, then we'll get to our predictions for this Sunday. Yeah, get, yeah give no, a score so, after this. So I saw a, um, a really good article written up um, – Ravens head coach, John Harbaugh, who was coached under Andy Reid from 1998 to 2007. And he was quoted in Game Changers, the 50 greatest plays in Philadelphia Eagles football history, which was written by Ruben Frank and Mark Eckel. Um, he was quoted as saying, Over the long haul, it's a team sport. And one of the greatest examples of that is what happened with the Eagles and the Cowboys over the last 10 years. The Cowboys stand for everything that's wrong with the NFL. What a, what a powerful statement. And there is nothing more than uh, the Dallas Cowboys that Eagles fans hate. And I know that that hate runs strong with the three of us. Uh, and that despite everything that's gone on this year, that this matchup uh, is still one of those that we just want to see Dallas get destroyed. And, and really, that's what I hope for this weekend. So uh, let's get to some predictions. Andrew, let's start with you. What are you seeing score-wise in this game? Yeah, Chris, you just said it. 2020 has not been very kind to us. Um, not a lot of good moments. Um, but this one ray of hope, this mm, chef's kiss of, of a dismantling that we're seeing with the Cowboys franchise, is, is uh, it, it's a breath of fresh air for sure. Um, they're, they're terrible. Their team, their organization seems to be crumbling, uh, their future while they have some talent, it does look bleak. Um, so I'm going with a 33, 13 win for the birds. They're going to cover the spread. They're going to dominate like we've been wanting them to do. Um, and we're going to have a nice, a nice Monday morning. Let's hope Michael. Oh man. I think the same thing. I think if there's a game that's going to go down this season, this will be a game where both the defense and the offense show up um, and can exert their will on the other team. I think this is going to be a 34-10 victory. I like both of those scores a whole lot. Now, I want to say not in the in the sense of, you know, having so many injured quarterbacks, but I think the Cowboys – you know, their, their coaching situation is brand new and it doesn't look to be trending in the right direction. But as far as sort of the momentum and where they're at, I feel like they're where the Eagles were maybe a few games ago in terms of like completely lost and uh, just kind of looking for anything kind of desperate. And, and that's part of what makes me a little bit nervous, as Andrew mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. But by the same token, I think the Eagles are sort of mounting some strength and some momentum right now. And they're also getting a lot of players back. Um, I think the defensive line in this game is going to wreak havoc. I think we're going to see one of those games where the opposing quarterback is running for his life. Um, I, I think two sacks for Brandon Graham. Is, it, is that what the prediction was? Mike? I, think my, I think Mike had two sacks. For okay. Him. I think that's, I think that's more than safe. I might, we, we might even Ooh. see more than that. Um, I'd like I think, to see three. <laughs> I think, I think we might even see it spread around. I think we yeah. might see the whole D line get a little sum this weekend, but I, I like both your guys scores, but I'm going to go with Eagles 35 Cowboys 17. I think they might get some, you know, garbage play late um, that winds up with that kind of score, but uh, we're all seeing a W this weekend, which would land the Eagles at three, four and one and atop the NFC least Mike. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, boys, 
in case this this turns into an NFC East uh, dogfight, what will you be thinking during the game? It's a good question. Um, I th- I think I'll I think I'll probably think that I was surprised. I thought it could have been a blowout. Um, because a lot of these games do wind up that way and I'll, I'll kind of shortchange my expectation. Um, but I'm really hoping that it's Sunday night. And even though I have work the next day that I'm watching the Eagles just stomp the Cowboys. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. Andrew. I feel like I'm battle tested because last week was supposed to be a blowout. Um, really emotional ride there. Um, (laughs) So, uh, if it turns out to be a dogfight, if we underperform, if it's too close, if it's a game going into the fourth quarter, um, I think we're we're seasoned for it. So uh, it, it it will be frustrating, but I guess technically it won't be surprising. I think going into going into the night thinking that we're going to dominate them, everything on paper, we're the healthier team, we have the the better quarterback, the better defensive line, the better offensive line. Um, I think that's the expectation and, and what we should enter in Sunday night with. Um, but yeah, if it turns into a dog fight, typical, typical birds this season. If, yeah. And let's, I let's, agree. Let's, but as long as we come out on top, I still feel as long as it's in the NFC East, um, a win's a win. Well, let's consider that it, yeah. if it is a game, it's probably because the Dallas receiving core, which we've mentioned has a lot of threats in it. Uh, has made an impact. And part of the reason, as we touched on earlier in the podcast, for getting Darius Slay was to shut down Amari Cooper. Uh, let's hope we see that. None of us picked Darius Slay as the defensive player of the game, but let's hope let's hope he's solid. And let's hope if, for whatever reason, someone else is making an impact that Schwartz can adjust. It's because um, none but, of us have confidence in Danucci. Well, and, and there's always that 10%, but I think, I think Schwartz also has typically played young quarterbacks pretty well. And I think if they're not getting home, he's, he's going to send blitzes. He's actually already had to do that this year um, a little bit earlier than he's, than he has done since he's been the Eagles defensive coordinator. But with that, we're all predicting a win on Sunday night football. We'll be back hopefully next week to review a win uh, as well as look into some bi-week topics, but uh, fellas, nice job tonight. Go birds. Go, Go birds. birds.